G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. And as we delve into this week's topic, a reminder that some of the content may be of a sensitive nature. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. Okay, well, welcome to this week's Momentum. It is fantastic to have you tuning in, and we really, really appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, We've got an incredibly important topic to get into this week, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, though, just a quick reminder, our website is MomentumAustralia.org. You can find more about who we are, what we do, why we're here, and, of course, hear previous episodes of the show, too, at MomentumAustralia.org. But, of course, I never do this alone. Well, actually, sometimes... We actually do do this alone, but usually I'm with my good friend and Irish co-host, Des. How are you this week, my friend? Are you good? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Um, you know, I've been here so long. I've actually lived longer in this part of the world than I have in Ireland, but there's that funny accent that won't disappear. The accent <laughs> remains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great, Tim. And, you know, I just want to remind guys that we have the Momentum Caroline, and the Momentum Caroline is for men who just aren't, want to have a conversation, a safe, confidential conversation about anything in their world where they don't have a man they can talk to or even talk to their family, whatever that looks like, they can call our care line. The number is 1-800-000. Men, a great number, easy to remember, especially for men. 1-800-000-636. And the service is brought to us through our friends at Caroline Connections who are a ministry and known, right? We appreciate what they do. So you can reach out to them seven days a week from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m., seven days a week, one 800 men And while I've got you and while I've got the microphone, I just want to mm. just let you guys know that we're actually starting our own YouTube channel and we're going to take all the conversations we've had this year and we're going to be putting them on to uh, to YouTube. So not only will you be able to hear Momentum, you'll be able to see Momentum. Whether that's mm. good or bad is up to you. But, we, <laughs> but from the 11th of November, we'll be uh, starting to load those videos up on YouTube. So that'll be really exciting. Yeah. Uh, I like the disclaimer there, Des. Whether that's good or bad, we're not sure. Well, you'd be good, I'd be bad. <laughs> it's an opportunity to see what happens behind the scenes at the show, which I think is always really interesting and a bit more engaging than just listening. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Des and I work in radio. We've got faces for radio for a reason, but that's another yeah. story. Uh, moving on to this week's show. Look, after previously holding a leadership position for the Australian Conservatives since 2019, Kiralee Smith has focused on the regressive left's campaign to degender society. And she challenges our political leaders and they need challenge to protect our children and that's the most important thing and parents rights as well women's space and services in sport and the military and education from radical gender ideology Kiralee is the spokeswoman and director of Binary Australia. That's an organisation that aims to promote and honour the inherent differences between boys and girls, men and women. And she's a wife and a mother of three and has recently been awarded Mother of the Year 2023 by Family Voice Australia. So it's a great pleasure to welcome Kiralee to Momentum. Thank you for having me and lovely to speak with you, Des and Tim. So tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to this place that you're in now. 
Well, I'm a very accidental activist, let me say that. <laughs> I didn't intend to uh, be in this space at all. But um, over the last 10, 15 years, um, you know, I've raising my children, uh, foster children. Uh, before that, I did get a Bachelor of Theology from the oh. uh, Churches of Christ in New South Wales. Oh, wow. um, I think they're called ACOM now. Um, but that was never, I never intended to be a pastor of a church or anything like that. We just wanted to minister to people, uh, particularly young people in crisis. And uh, it's a really long story, but the short of it is I uh, became very politically engaged because I exposed some uh fraud and uh, bribery and things going on in the halal certification industry in Australia. Oh. And that led to some connections with people like Senator Cory Bernardi, Senator Christensen at the time, and a few others. And um, I just ended up with this quite a large social media following and platform as a result of that. And during the same-sex marriage campaign, I made a couple of videos that I warned if we redefine the word marriage – we'll have to redefine other words. And I was particularly mm. concerned about what would happen uh, for families, for children, uh, and the safeguarding of children in all of that. And unfortunately, it's come to pass in yeah. a lot uh, quicker and more damaging way than we ever could have imagined. So now we're seeing the redefinition of the words male and female. Yeah. Uh, children are being called mature minors. And uh, the the catastrophic irreversible harm that's being done to people in the name of this gender identity ideology is really horrific. Mm. Kiralee, you say, and I quote, I want to be able to look my children in the eye and say I did everything I could to protect them. Truth matters and it is worth fighting for. So can I ask for your perspective? I mean, you've kind of set the background there, but a lot of us kind of, we see what's happening. We're not really sure what to do about it. We realize that it can be a bit kind of walking on eggshells at times. You seem to have just taken the baton with this and are running with it. Where does that come from for you personally as a woman and as a mother and, you know, that sort of thing? Yeah, great question, Tim. As as a woman but also as a Christian, um, you know, Jesus said of himself he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through him. And so he is the truth, and that's repeated throughout Scripture. And so the truth is there is only male and female. And when we redefine words and when we put children in harm's way, uh, you know, we also know that Jesus said it's better to have a millstone tied around your neck be cast yeah. to the bottom of the ocean than to harm one of the little ones. So I take that really seriously. Either God is who he says he is or he's not. Uh, the truth matters or it doesn't. And to me, it's essential. So this is a hill I will die on because, you know, we are called to proclaim Jesus, which means we're called to proclaim the truth. This isn't negotiable. This isn't an optional extra. This is reality. And this is where, you know, to me, if you are anti-truth, you are anti-Christ. You are in that spirit of being against Jesus himself. And there's no way I'm going to be found on that side of the fence. Uh, <laughs> so I'll do everything I can to encourage Anyone, but I also I don't think this is a like a unique or specific Christian issue. This is an no. issue for all people. Absolutely. And, you know, we I I stand shoulder to so shoulder with rad femme lesbians, you know, and everyone yeah. in between because this is just one of the most fundamental issues that we can address, and that is that there's male and there's, there's female. Yeah. Both are extremely valuable. Uh, and important, and uh, but provide different roles and yeah. are different 
uh, expressions of who God is and uh, society needs both. Whenever I was growing up, Carly, I mean, these sort of topics never came up. And so all the terms that people use these days to define gender and so forth, I mean, I, I just don't really, wouldn't even know where to start with them, you know. I mean, <laughs> there certainly were gay people and there certainly were lesbians and that's that's, that's a personal preference um, and bisexual, I guess. But there's so many different variations on the theme now. It's sort of totally out of control, isn't it? Uh, it's it's absurd, you know. They started off saying there were seventy two different gender expressions, and now, you know, you can make it up as you go along, literally. And um, I've I've gotten way beyond now, you know, using any other word than male or yes. female because they mm. are they have boundaries on them. They're evidence based. They're factual. They're um, they're descriptors that we can all understand. And so I. You know, I grew up in the, I was a teenager and a kid in the 80s and 90s where gender nonconforming was all the rage and tomboys and, you know, all the rest of it. And it was just like, be yourself, embrace who you are and express yourself however you like. And I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is when you compel, when you want to compel everyone around you to lie about who you are and to lie about what the facts are and to deny the truth. And And what um, what they want you to call them based on what their mindset Mm. is. Yeah, that's, that's certainly where I have a problem. I mean, uh, we're all sort of a similar vintage. Des, Des is always going to be a little older with respect. But <laughs> but I think we, we all kind of grew up around something that was fairly, in inverted commas, what we considered normal, right? Whatever that was. You know, there, there was the gay, bi, lesbian, that sort of thing. But aside from that, you know, it was fairly heterosexual. Um, this this gender confusion seems to have really ramped up in the last few years, though. I mean, that seems to have really particularly in the last sort of two to three to four years, has, has just been full-blown and it, now it seems like it's spiraling chaotically out of control. Why do you think that that has ramped up more recently, say in the last few years? What do you think is the catalyst for that? Yeah, well, look, a couple of things. Like I said, one was the redefining words like marriage um, that have, you know, throughout history and across cultures meant the same thing. Um, they've taken that word and they've, uh, you know, applied <laughs> an Orwellian filter to it and changed it inside out. So we've seen that happen. There's also this social contagion. Of course, teenagers throughout every generation forever have rebelled against the status quo and against their parents, but never with these kinds of extreme consequences. Mm. Unfortunately, this social contagion and, you know, some really powerful activists, um, both in public and behind the scenes, have captured uh, politicians, and, but more than that, the bureaucracy. And so we have in the education department, the health departments uh, and other areas, a very strong cohort of people who are very anti-family, very anti-God. And, then the, you know, there's been this long march through the institutions to dismantle the family, whether it's abortion, same-sex marriage, no-fault divorce, you name it. It's all about this deconstructing the family and this is just you know one of the final uh, devastating blows to that where children are being encouraged to turn against their parents uh school staff have been given authority to um you know basically trample all over parental rights and to socially transition children without parental consent or knowledge uh so to me this is a part of a much bigger picture but it's a really crucial one that we must not concede ground on yeah, but th- this doesn't seem to me, Kiralee, and again, I'm not as immersed as you are, but from from somebody on the sidelines looking at this to go, this isn't just kids, the occasional child who seems to be 
you know, kind of wondering about a few things and coming forward with some questions, there seems to be a real agenda about pushing this and, you know, uh, what we can't, like exactly what you're saying with changing laws. And it's almost like we're, we're almost like there is a, a greater agenda behind this. It's not just, oh, these one or two or, you know, the handful that might be a little confused about where they're at because as they're growing up and their hormones are changing or whatever. This is a full-on what it seems to be an actual push to kind of almost push kids into this way of thinking. Yeah, it's a very aggressive agenda and they're particularly um, targeting children with autism or on the spectrum, uh, children with trauma and other mental health uh, issues. And uh, as we know, there's a growing cohort of those sort of children in our society as well at the moment. And, um, you know, what happens is children who are at school or in uh, an environment where they're bullied or ostracised for whatever reason, they identify as trans or gender fluid. They become celebrated. There's day after day, month after month of celebrations for them in schools. Uh, there's really special protections of, um, you know, I, I can't tell you the amount of parents that contact me to say that their child has been suspended for calling a boy a boy instead of, you know, um, calling oh. that boy a girl now, whereas the protections oh. for the children who identify as trans are endless. They, they mm. do not get penalised or punished in any way, shape or form for their behaviour or actions at school. So, in a way, why wouldn't kids identify this way? Because you get celebrated and you get yeah. special protections. Mm. You also get to stick it up your parents or whoever else you want to rebel against. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, the harms and damage that is being done to them, they can't consent to being sterile. They can't consent to having no sexual function as adults. They can't consent to the myriad of medical problems because all these drugs are being used off-label. They haven't been tested and studied for this particular use and it's a real travesty and devastation uh, for, for a whole generation of young people. Yeah, okay. Well, let's come back and talk about that. And Kiralee, you did mention, uh, and Des, you kind of touched on that too. I mean, to be honest, we don't know the effects, the full effects of what we're doing right now. And I don't know that we'll fully know for another few years, but let, let's come back on the other side of this break and talk about, um, I suppose, that process that you were saying, Kiralee, about when kids decide that they want to transition, because there are people coming out who have transitioned and then say, I really wish I hadn't done it. Um, so... Let's take a short break. You're with Momentum. It's Tim and Des, and our special guest is Kira Lee Smith from Binary. Um, you can check out uh, their website at binary.org.au uh, and have a look at that around uh, the break and, of course, MomentumAustralia.org. And we'll be back with Kira Lee Smith from Binary in just a tick. Stay tuned. This is Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Okay, well, welcome back to uh, this week's Momentum. It's uh, a biggie with Tim and Des and our special guest, Kira Lee Smith from Binary. And uh, we're talking about this whole degendering of society and gender confusion. And uh, Kira Lee is just a wealth of information. And uh, if you've missed the first part of the show, I encourage you to go back and have a listen to that because it'll set up what we're about to talk about really nicely. And you know, what we did start by talking, Kira Lee, is about this idea of there seems to be a push and agenda from governments and certainly now that's trickling down into schools and what our kids are being taught. So 
let, let's start there because I, I mean, we as parents, we entrust our kids to our school, you know, at quarter to eight every morning, at uh, quarter to nine every morning. We trust that, you know, they're doing the right thing by our kids until three o'clock in the afternoon, thereabouts. Um, we may not necessarily know what our kids are actually being taught at, at school when it comes to, you know, gender and sexuality and all that sort of stuff. So can you give us perhaps some clarity around that? Does it, I mean, firstly, does it change state to state or are all states on the same, same kind of boat? Uh, look, it, it, uh, all states have, are having issues with this, most definitely, and uh, the legislation in each state is slightly different, but what I am finding, and it doesn't matter if it's private or public schooling, uh, that, you know, you've obviously got great teachers and great um, school staff in many uh, situations, but in nearly all schools now, there are activist staffs or con- uh, captured staff who believe that they're being kind and doing the right thing and teaching these sort of things, but it's infiltrating all areas of the curriculum and uh, it begins very young with children also being taught not to trust their parents or their uh, caregivers or doctors even and that uh, only they can determine what gender identity they are. Uh, there's books in school libraries, there's books in um, classrooms that, uh, that explicitly say this. You can contact me if you want more information about that. And then right through uh, school Staff are told that they must embrace and accept any child, no matter how they identify. Now, of course, we need to accept children. Of course Mm -hmm. we do. But Mm -hmm. uh, that's really going to the degree now of uh, entertaining a lie and allowing Mm -hmm. children to change their names and uniforms at school. They don't need to seek parental consent uh, to do that. They don't even have to inform the parents uh, if they do that at school. But we know Mm -hmm. that. As children, it's called social transitioning, but as children go down that pathway of social transitioning, so changing their names, their pronouns and their uniforms, uh, about 80 to 90% of those will go on to take puberty blockers, which are extremely harmful to a developing body. Sorry, what was that percentage again? 80 to 90%. Uh, around 80%, yeah, wow. and higher, and higher. Yeah. Um, so, and and again, uh, parents don't have to necessarily be informed of these things. And then in certain states, uh, parents are not allowed to object to their children being put on that pathway. So, uh, as wow. yet, WA, Tasmania and New South Wales haven't fully gone down that pathway, but there is uh, legislation being formed in those states. Um, but in Victoria, in the ACT and in Queensland, Parents, uh, it's very murky waters. Are, wow. are not are meant to stand in the way of children who want to go down that uh, affirmation only pathway. It's called. So by mm. they are they have to change their name. They have to uh, endorse, use the pronouns, costumes, whatever it is, and eventually go on to the drugs that are all experimental. So it's it's a really devastating, harmful uh, position that Australians' families find themselves in right now. Some families are challenging these things in court, but because they're in court, we're not allowed to report on them. The media refuses to report on these things. And so often parents are contacting me saying they had no idea this was going on until it happened to them. And yeah. often that's too late. And so so children who are who decide at school that they want to become like a boy, become a girl, to change their gender in that way, and then they come home, do their parents have to address them? Otherwise the children just so totally confused. Yeah, and, and the children are totally in control, which yeah. is you know, yeah, yeah, well that's right one. too. <laughs> so again, um 
It's a really confusing time because some parents are threatened by, you know, we, we know of several families where the children have been groomed to uh, call the police and say that their parents are unsafe because they won't affirm their gender identity and those children have been removed from their parent, parents' custody and put in care and those parents are now in the courts fighting for those children. Wow. We know of other parents that have drawn the line and said, look, I'll call you by the name you want to be called, but we're not going down the uh, medicalised pathway until you turn 18. So, you know, what it really comes back to is parents need to know who they are, what their God-given authority is. Uh, They need to love their children, obviously, but have strong lines of communication and, um, and draw those boundaries. Support your child by, by all, you know, every effort you can go to, but, Dig down, find what the reason is mm. that they're feeling this way. Don't yeah. just don't go down the medicalized pathway. And I would say fight it all the way because um, the harm that will be done to children mm. if you go down that pathway is unimaginable. Mm. Well, let's talk about that um, because I mean I, I don't know the process. So I mean, um, can you t- talk us through that? I mean, if we get to that point, then where a child decides that they want to go down that that track, at this stage. Do they need parents' consent to be able to start that process? Well, again, it's different in every state, so you really have to find out. But um, they, you know, kids can change their names at school. They can wear whatever uniform they like. That's pretty much right around the country now. Um, then the next step uh, would be that there's gender clinics in all the major cities. There's long waiting lists for some of those gender clinics, but there's also some GPs, depending on where you go, who will immediately uh, put the child on puberty blockers or uh, find someone who can. There's very few psychologists psychiatrists now that are willing to put their careers on the line to say no yeah. because uh, you know there's some high profile cases like Dr. Gillian Spencer in Queensland she was working at the um, Brisbane Children's Hospital and she was uh, suspended and put down from duties because she questioned the use of puberty blockers on these children uh, so there's a lot of legal fights going on in this space um, and yeah so children there are ways they can manipulate the system uh, to mm. say that their parents are unsafe and that they want to um, go into state care and then they can go on puberty blockers. So it, it's essential. It's so essential that you have really strong lines of communication with your children mm. and that you try and find uh, medical practitioners who will support them, who will look at the underlying issues such as the autism, the trauma, uh, mm. depression and other mental health issues because once mm. they start on puberty blockers, Um, pretty much no male, like no boy who's ever gone on puberty blockers will ever then have uh, sexual function as an adult. Most of them will end up sterile. They'll have bone and brain development issues, uh, cholesterol issues. It's really alarming uh, what these puberty blockers will do. They're chemical castration drugs, basically. Well, I mean, I was going to ask you what what the outcomes of those drugs are. You've just described it in detail. And, I mean, any parent would not want that to happen to their children. That's right. They wouldn't if they knew that. Yeah, and and unfortunately, again, medical practitioners are lying to parents and saying it's better to have a, you know, a live daughter than a dead son and so you should (sighs) put them on these things and it's complete manipulation because – uh, again, not there hasn't been enough in-depth long-term research onto mm. these things because mm. it's such a hot potato, but the research that has been done show that the rates of suicide increase up to five years after transition rather than before transition. Wow. And so mm. um, there's much more effective ways to look after children and to support them, to help them form their identity around sure. truth rather than, than around a lie. Mm. Mm. Um, just 
coming back out from that particularly, um, you know, we talked about about this off air, but I, I think it's worth perhaps ending with this because society at large, I think, you know, and again, when you look at perhaps older generations like we are, we we see what's happening and we don't necessarily agree with it. We feel uncomfortable with it, but we also feel like we can't speak up against it because, you know, we're not sure what sort of response we're going to get. And traditionally, what seems to be is that there seems to be an aggressive response where we get labeled something that's really derogatory, like like we've got the problem. Um, can, can you speak into that space for people listening to go, we... Um, we don't agree with this, but we're not sure what to do with that. We're not sure how to voice this because we don't want to get taken to court. We don't want to be the parents at school that then get shunned and our kids get whatever. So can you speak into that space for us, for people listening? Yeah, it might sound a bit harsh, but um, <laughs> but I'll use the words of Jesus. Disclaimer. I like that. <laughs> Disclaimer. Blessing you when you are persecuted, insulted, and reviled right. for my name's sake. So, you know, speaking the truth can never be a bad thing and yeah. never be the wrong thing. I have been called every name under the sun. I have had two applications of apprehension of violence against me for saying that men are not women and don't belong in women's sport. I've got two vilification complaints against me because I've called men male. Um, so, yeah. you know... It's, it's absolute insanity. I don't want to go to court. I don't want to be uh, the target of hate and vitriol. But at the same time, you know, I just think the truth is way too important. There's yeah. many of us standing in this space. You're not alone. But at the end of the day, who are you serving? You know, what, what matters and what's important? Because this isn't just about my feelings getting hurt. This mm. is about a generation of young people who are being um, utterly destroyed through mm. lies and I don't know how else to say yeah, it other yes, than the truth matters right. yeah. and that's what we have to stand in. Yeah, 100%. Well, look, I, I know that you guys are, you've got a lot of bits of court things and things that you guys are all involved with. We, we don't have time to get into that now, but we will encourage people to go to the Binary website and have a good look around there. There's all sorts of resources on there which can help you, inform you, educate you, etc. And I suppose, Kiralee, as well, let you know that you're not alone in that because a lot yeah. of us can feel like we're isolated in how we're feeling because we don't even talk about it, right? It's such a hot topic that we don't even necessarily broach this with people for fear of the response that we're going to get. So check out the Binary website, a lot of information there. And our special guest has been Kira Lee Smith, the uh, spokeswoman and director of Binary Australia. Kira Lee, it's been an amazing conversation with yeah. you. Thank you so much for your honesty and your transparency and your passion in this space yeah, and uh, it's been Great. really educational and inf- informative for Des and I and I'm sure for our listeners too so I really appreciate what you're doing thank you and encouraging the men to get up and take a position and be strong as men in their world yeah absolutely thanks for having me I really appreciate it you've been listening to Momentum a show that helps men succeed in life for more information or to hear this week's show again go to MomentumAustralia.org You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.